Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Well, I would say we are blessed with a tremendous worship team that ushers us into the throne room of God. Yeah, absolutely. Give me a hand. Sure. I know I was right in there seeing the Lord, praising his name this morning. Um, this is cool because all week it's just been a tremendous journey with God. Um, the cool part about being able to speak is I, I say a whole lot more focused on what I have to say up here because <laughs> I want to get it right. Um, but I get to spend time with God on a much more elevated level in a much different capacity. Because I just sit at his feet begging for him to show me and tell me what needs to be said. Um, I want you to hear from him. I don't want you to hear from me. Um, and this week, he really impressed it upon my heart how provisional he is. God is so faithful. Every day, every moment, every minute, every second, God is providing. God is providing. God is providing. He is giving to us on so many different levels. And it's so easy to miss it. It's so easy to get caught up and just what's happening and what's going on in our lives and just the day-to-day. -day. And it's so easy to just forget that God is there waiting. Waiting to interact with us. Waiting to talk to us. Waiting for us to, to come and you know, hear his voice and interact with him in a way that relationally we are walking with him. See, so many times as believers, we can move through the day and just kind of, you know, all right, you know, I have my devotions, and I did this, and I was, you know, I tried to do my good deed of the day, and, you know, it's, I, I got to get ready for Sunday, and, you know, I show up to church, and I make sure I give, or I serve, or I this, or I that, or whatever, and we make sure all these things are happening, because we believe that if we check off all these boxes, God will be satisfied. And it's all good activity. I, I'm not trying to criticize the activity. But God wants our heart. 100%. He wants us to, to choose to surrender, to choose to humble ourselves under him, to choose to yield to his truth. It's like, uh-oh, we're starting to walk down a challenging path. <laughs> Yielding to truth. That's what he wants. And he went to great lengths. I mean, we sang this morning, you know, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. It's way too easy to turn back. <laughs> We've got to make a choice. You know, even, even in salvation, it, it was a choice. God did not hold a gun to our heads and say, believe in me, or else. No, he wanted us to wholeheartedly 
willingly surrender because we understood the tremendous sacrifice he provided for us to reestablish a relationship with him, to open up communication again. And so it's one of those things where it's a daily choice. And it's like, well, no, I was saved, and you know, that's in my past, and you know, now I'm, I'm living the Christian life. I, I honestly think you know, we're challenged to pick up our cross daily. daily. You guys are awesome. Daily. It's a salvation thought daily. Not easy. Not easy. But it's one of those things where salvation, you know, sometimes we think that, okay, that's the destination for people. Oh, we got them. You know, they came to Christ. They got saved. They got there. It's a starting point. Salvation is a starting point. It's a foundational element of our Christian living. And so many times we think of it as this destination and this thing we do, and okay, we've gotten saved, and now let's live life. But salvation is foundational. And so Christian, Christian, I changed things, it's like I gotta read what I wrote. Christian Living 101, there we go. Christian Living 101, Proverbs 10, it's, it's really going back to basics and understanding a couple of elements that need to be in place on a regular basis. Now, you guys look a little dozy, so. In this one household, they were getting ready for dinner, and everybody's kind of rustling around, and they're getting stuff on the table, and everybody's getting to the table, and it's time for dinner, and, you know, little Logan loads up his plate, and he starts chowing down, and Logan's mom's like, wait a minute, Logan, you're eating without praying first. We always pray before we eat. And Logan's like, well, yeah, I know, but we don't need to here. And he starts eating again, and his mom's like, well, no, wait, 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 hold on. We always pray before we eat. Well, Mom, we don't need to. What do you mean we don't need to? Well, at our house, we have to pray. But we're at Grandma's house, and she knows how to cook. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes, right? <laughs> That's gonna hurt. Anyway, we can get caught up in the mechanics of Christian living. And my prayer for you this week is that as we meet with God together, you hear from Him. You 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 connect with Him on an emotional, relational level not just, oh, I'm not doing that and I need to change that about me. I, I, I don't want that to be the case this morning. We're going to talk about things that are, are kind of practical and general, but I want you to try to capture the relational aspect of who God is, what his heart is, what his desires are, and, and how to connect on a relational level, not just duty. I don't want you to get caught up in the duty piece. Because God wants a relationship. Christ came to restore a relationship, not just to make it easier for us to understand the rules of Christian living. Okay? So that said, um, if you don't have a Bible and you're using one of the ones in the chairs, it's page 735 in that Bible. Um, I forgot to put it in my notes, which meant the tech guys couldn't put it up there for you, so it's 735 in the Bible. 
they do their absolute best to make me look good. Um, I can't help myself sometimes. And so that's that for that. Now, last week, <clears throat> well, actually this week, God kind of reminded me of something that I should have said last week, but didn't say this week, or didn't say last week. There we go. But I will say this week. That being, because there's a lot of discussion about the fool and the wise man and whatnot. And so I want to address that just briefly, and then we'll move on. Uh, a fool in Scripture is never a deficient person, okay? But rather an arrogant, self-sufficient one who lives his life as if there were no God. Okay? So sometimes you think, you know, oh, they're not able, or they're less than, or there's a deficiency. No, 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 no. That's not the case. The deficiency is they live their life as if there were no God. So that's what I'll be using. That's what I used kind of last week, this week, and I'll use it next week as well. Um, just kind of as a context when we're talking about the fool. Now, again, as I said, you know, we're going to a fundamental place here, going back to some very basic things. And um, I don't want you to check out if you've been a believer for a long time. Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, I know that. Again, I want you to connect with this on an emotional, relational level. All right? So first, verse 27. We're in chapter 10, verse 27. It says, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So our first element to Christian Living 101 is a firm foundation. Uh, and that's, you know, again, we, we say it. I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. He's provided this for us. And so that is, that is going to be our firm foundation. It's not built on us. It's not built on sand. It's built on Christ. Now, interesting elements here. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Um, I lived in Texas for a while, and while there, knew somebody. Uh, his name was Ricky. And he had come to Christ kind of in his early to mid-20s. And um, out of an interesting background, um, he was in uh, slightly, I don't know, he was connected to gang-related activity, which even, you know, we would think, oh, back then. Uh, but there was still that kind of stuff happening. Um, had a very interesting lifestyle. Today, we probably would have labeled him an alcoholic, even at that age. Um, but he came to Christ, and he struggled so much with his Christian living. Uh, it was a constant battle for him just because he was so focused on who he was before Christ. And he, you know, he would struggle and he would, you know, he was in the Word. You know, I, I believe he was a believer um, because he had a heart for God. He wanted to do what was right. He struggled with right and wrong all the time. And um, he started developing this kind of mantra for himself was, you know, oh, I'm going to do the best I can now because I, I know I'm not going to make it to 30. Why would you believe that? And um, he, that was just always his thing. He's like, well, you know, God's going to be mad at me. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm always trying to, you know, do the right thing, but I always end up doing the wrong thing. And I know he's going to take me. It's, I, I, I know I'm not going to make it till 30. I just baffled me, you know. I struggled with stuff in my life, too, and it was like, I don't get it. Why are you so convinced? But he refused to change his life. Um, you know, 
God's word would be opened up and we'd talk about stuff and he'd say, well, yeah, that's what God says, but it's like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> what do you do with that, right? And he continued to live and continued to live and I think that's why he believed God was going to take him. And his mantra became a self-fulfilled prophecy because in his 30th year of life, he continued to live the way he lived. He continued to do what he did. And he was out drinking with a bunch of friends. And he and someone else were driving on their way home. And there was one road. It was kind of wild. It went down. And there was a huge left dog leg kind of a thing. And it was a major turn. Missed it. Rolled his car end on end for 150 feet. Refused to wear a seatbelt. Thrown from the car. Car landed on him. Boom. Dead. I mean, it, it happened. And it's, I know we all struggle, and I know it's challenging, but it comes down to the fact of, are we going to trust God in what he says or not? It's that simple. And I think we struggle over the simple sometimes, because it's like, God says, do this. And that's all he asks. It's something that's attainable. It's something that's simple. And yet we have this struggle in our hearts. We have this war within us that we fight it for whatever reason. But the fear of the Lord prolongs days. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. Now, a couple of verses just to kind of get our thinking. Isaiah 33, 6. It says, In that day he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. And again, fear here, we're talking about reverence. We're talking about awe. Um, you know, one of the songs we sang, you know, it's like lifting God up where he belongs. And, and it really comes down to trust. Can we trust him? You know, he created us. He knows how we work. He knows how we function. He knows everything about every single one of us. And so he says, if you live this way, these things will happen. I mean, God's even faithful enough to kind of give us an incentive in things. It's like, if you do this, I will bless you. If you do that, I will bless you. If you do this, I will bless you. If, if you fear me, I will prolong your days. He's incentivizing us all the time. He's like, you know, it's this easy. This is all you got to do. But yet we struggle. Because we believe, and I think it really comes down to this, we believe we know how to fix us or change us or meet our needs better than God does. We think, oh, I know. This will fix my thing. This will give me, you know, I'll feel loved or I'll feel accepted or I'll feel valued or I'll feel secure. This will fix it. And then we do that and it doesn't work. And then we try something else and then we try something else. Why don't we automatically default to what God has to say about those things? Why? Because sometimes we all act like fools. Like there isn't a God. Like it doesn't really matter. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. There is rich, rich treasure in the fear of the Lord. And he will provide so much for us when we hold him to where he belongs and heed what he has to say. A couple more verses. Deuteronomy 6.2. 
You and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a prolonged life. So again, it's, it's seeing that salvation is not this destination. Salvation is this starting point that God wants to build in our lives many, many things. And it's learning how to develop the relationship with him in such a way that we hear him. And that we walk in a path that brings blessing and grace. And before I get ahead of myself, I'll stop there. Deuteronomy 10, 12 and 13. This is a now Israel. What does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, live in a way that pleases him, and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Do you believe God wants to do good things in your life? He wants to provide good things to your life? Or do you see him as the big cosmic killjoy just waiting for you to mess up so he can go, boom, you got it wrong again. Boom, you did it wrong again. How we think of God, how we understand God, how we interact with him becomes so important and so key. I mean, his love for us is staggering. Love to the point of laying down his own life to restore relationship. And when we understand, when we hold God up and realize that he is the redeemer of more than just our soul. He can redeem so many things in our life, things that we see as regrets, things that we see as missteps, things that we see as unrecoverable. God can redeem. But we've got to come into relationship with him. We've got to come in union with him and, and work with him in those things and let him work in us and let him change us and mold us and transform us into the men and women that he designed us to be. And it comes to what we believe about him. As we look at this first step here, as far as Christian living, we see that reverencing the Lord will add days. And wicked living will subtract years. And it's a choice. It's a choice that he, God allows us to make. You know, I see what happened to Rick, and it's like, man, years and years and years were subtracted from his life because he refused to change how he wanted to live. He refused. And it's tragic. Reverencing the Lord will add years. Wicked living will subtract years. A couple questions before we move on. Is the fear of the Lord your foundation to Christian living? Are you revering God by respecting Him, worshiping Him, living in awe of Him, living in a way that pleases Him, loving and serving Him with all of your heart and soul? That's the request. See, that's the thing. He wants all of us. And we struggle. <laughs> we struggle with that. And I know the struggle is real because I know we have stuff in our lives, stuff that we've 
developed because of relationships that we have down here, because of beliefs that we have here, and because of what we think about ourselves. And we struggle. And it's really about coming to the Lord and laying it at his feet. Coming to the cross and saying, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to manage this anymore. You've got to show up and do something. I remember in my own life, there are different things that I've struggled with that it's like, Lord, I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. Why won't you answer my prayer? Why won't you answer my prayer? And he's like, because I want to do this for you. You aren't prepared. You aren't equipped. Why do you keep trying the same thing or keep trying other things over and over and over? You aren't prepared or equipped. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, here. You've got to do something because I've tried and tried and tried and I can't. Guess what happened? He changed me. He transformed my thinking. He took away those things that were causing me problems. And I can't take a lick of credit because it's a God thing in my life. And again, providing for me. He is a good father. He is a faithful father. He is a holy father. He is a righteous father. And he will do those things. And if there's something in your life that you've been praying for and praying for to say, God, get rid of it, and it's still there, there's a reason it's still there. There's a reason. And oftentimes we don't like that. Because we went our way. You know, there, there are things in my life that I, I've, I've prayed about. I've asked God. You know, and, and I'll be really transparent. Sometimes I can say things in a way to the people I love that hurt them. Because it comes across either as harsh or condescending or bad. And, and I, I've honestly, I've, I've tried to be aware of it and understand it. And I've even given my family permission. I was like, when I do that, let me know. So I, I can try to capture it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's gotten better. But there's still those moments when it happens. And God wants me dependent on him. Because guess what? When I pray about it, when I'm yielded to him about it, when I'm surrendered to him, and it's like, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I want to be what you want me to be. I don't want to cause harm or be harsh. I want to have my words be good. And when I, I'm there and I'm doing that, usually I don't hear much. But when I stop praying about it, when I stop focusing on it, when I just kind of be me, <laughs> guess what shows up again? It's like, oh, you know, someone gets bristled. And God's like, you need me. You need me. When are you going to trust <laughs> that you need me? It's so easy to walk away and just do your own thing and let God kind of be over there on the side. It's way too easy. But there's a reason God does it. He wants us to understand him. Understand our need for him. Understand the fact that he will do everything good and perfect and right in our life. The hardest thing for me to come to grips with, and it, you know, it's still 
Apart from God, I'm always going to choose self-destruction. That's not just me, that's everyone. Oh no, but I'm a pretty good person. I try to make the right choices. I really weigh, I really pray, I really... I was there. There was a day when I was there. Oh, I'm trying hard to be good. I'm trying to hard... Everything that's good and perfect and right comes down from the Father of lights. Anything that's good that's within me is because Christ has influenced me. Christ is working in my heart. Christ is changing me to be more like him. I can't take credit. And it just proves how much more I need him in my life. I need him. And I think we struggle with that dependence. We struggle with that need, that desire to have to have him there. Christian living starts with a firm foundation. Secondly, a focused faith. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The hope of the righteous will be gladness. Now, God's focusing in our life, again, has to be self-imposed. God is not going to grab our head and say, look over here, and look over here, and look over here, and look down here. He wants us to learn how to interact with him in such a way where we want to see him. We desire to see his hand in our life. We are diligently becoming detectives to like, where is he at work and how is he working around me and how can I join that? And it becomes a focused faith. Um found an interesting little cartoon for you, uh, someone we all know from the Bible. Uh, that is Thomas, that's his name, and he's walking along, and he sees the sign that says, danger, bridge out, and he's like, yeah, right. And the other disciples were always visiting Doubting Thomas in the hospital, because he chose to <laughs> disregard the signs that were around him. You know, I... I ponder the whole story of Thomas. And I just, I wonder what was running through his head when Christ yielded the scars and said, feel. Put your hand here. And challenged him because, you know, why do you have to walk by sight like this? Why can't you trust me? Why can't you trust my words? Why can't you trust what I tell you? Why can't you trust the disciples and what they've seen? We're challenged sometimes by things. Faith is something that we strengthen when we use faith, when we walk by faith, when we live by faith. God gives every single one of us a measure of faith, right, at salvation. And then you do something with it or not. Uh, I have a nephew, right? No, I don't. What would he be considered? Uh, He is my niece's son. I don't know. Nephew once removed or something. I don't know. I don't keep track of any of that stuff. 
my niece's son. There we go. <clears throat> he had a broken leg. He was in a body cast for a while. Now he's having to learn how to walk all over again. I was shocked. She had put a, posted a video on Facebook, and it's like he's literally struggling. I mean, he used to be running around like a little wildfire. He's struggling to walk. And we all know why, right? Atrophy. No, those muscles weren't able to be used. He just just sitting around, and they just kind of atrophied. The same is true with faith. Faith is a muscle. We have, our faith gets strengthened when we start to live by faith, exercise faith, move in faith, and that's when it becomes stronger and stronger. It doesn't increase, but it does grow in strength. The faith of a what can move mountains? Tiny, itty bitty. So we don't need much. We don't need much at all. That can move a mountain. You think of the size comparison of a mountain to a mustard seed. It's not a lot. But a focused faith can do unbelievable things. Think about it. Twelve men impacted the world. Let it soak in a minute. How much more can we do here in this community? Where we live, where we are. Now, this whole idea, the hope of the righteous will be gladness. Now, this idea of gladness speaks to joy, mirth, pleasure, rejoicing. And so, you know, what's your, your gladness quotient today? You know, is your joy of the Lord overflowing? Are you, like, just joyful in the good times, joyful in the bad times, and just a reflection of joy all the time? Or... Is life miserable for you? Is everything a problem? Is everything an overwhelming situation? How are they going to see Christ in us if we don't let him out? How? See, joy should be something in our life that is not only filled in us, but overflowing out of us so that we have that opportunity to spread joy to other people in such a way where it's like, wow, you're dealing with these situations, but you seem fine about it. You, seem, you know why? That doesn't make sense. And it's the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength because it's so much a part of who we are. It's so much of what's going on. And part of that starts with having a focused faith, the hope of the righteous, right? It's like God is working in all these things, and God is at work, and I can trust him, and I don't have to fret or worry or stress about it. I don't have to you know, manage it. God is managing it. How does this all work? I'm just going to do what I know to do and stay true to the truth that I know and live my life as God says. And it works. It's literally that simple. And I think sometimes we struggle with the simple. Psalm 30, verse 11, it says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with gladness. Psalm 97, 11, Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Hebrews 1, 9, you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of gladness on you more than on anyone else. 
you know, a focused faith is going to accomplish so much more in our life. This whole idea of gladness, I mean, joy-filled living is something I think we all want. And I think oftentimes we just settle for pursuing happiness. Uh, you know, pursuing happiness deals with what's happening in your life. And, you know, we have this expectation that Christians live in this magic bubble where nothing bad happens, only good things. It's only rainbows and unicorns and all that kind of stuff. How is the world going to see Christ through that? See, again, it's, it's the relationship aspect that we've got to highlight. I mean, think about the, the people that you get annoyed with, that they're in love. Oh, they're so in love. It's magical. And it's sickening. <laughs> but they're in love. And it just shows up everywhere, right? <laughs> But what if our relationship was, with God was like that? In love, desperately in love with him in a way that everything gets affected. People can't help but hear it, help but see it, help but encounter it when they encounter us. God wants us to impact. He wants us to show. He wants us to yield these things. And, and when we have this focused faith and this joy that comes up in our lives and we start talking about God is so faithful and God is a blessing and God is involved and God is doing this and God is doing that, people are going to be like, what is with this God? And you have an opportunity to talk about it because you can't help but see him all over your life because you are desperately in love with him and what he's doing. A couple questions before we move on. Oh, I'm always playing beat the clock. A focused faith in God will add gladness. An idle focused life will subtract your joy. Because we, when, we put, when we think things are going to make us happy, um, most of you have probably learned that they will fail you ultimately. Only God, only God can do that. So, are you focused on what God is doing in your life? Would you say you're experiencing the joy of the Lord? Um, are you focused on alternate things that are robbing you of your joy? It's easy to figure out. You know, God gives us the tools. All right, so Christian Living 101, a firm foundation, a focused faith, and then thirdly, a fervent force. What is it that fuels what you do? Uh, so verse 29. It says, The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. In the path of obedience, the upright man finds his strength renewed. Let me say that one more time. Really catch it. In the path of obedience, the upright man finds his strength renewed. The more he labors, the stronger he grows. And, and I would say that this statement also kind of comes in line with Isaiah 40, 31. 
says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Is that a description of your week last week? Mounting up with wings of eagles, running and not being weary, walking and not fainting. Oftentimes, that's not how we live. If there's one thing that I, I see everywhere is exhaustion. People are wiped. People are stressed. People are hanging on by a thread. So how can this be true? Are these just words? Is God just taunting us, going, eh, good luck? No, he's not. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. The way of the Lord. Hello? So if we're not finding these things to be true in our life, there's got to be a disconnect for us. A couple more verses. Romans 8.13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. And then the ultimate verse is Zechariah 4, 6b. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. See, when we live by the flesh, when we try to accomplish things in the flesh, it's exhausting. We're trying to do stuff. We're trying to manufacture. We're trying to manage. We're trying to manhandle. We're trying to push. We're trying to shove. We're trying to make it happen. And it's exhausting. Because God wants us to live according to his spirit. Living in the spirit is far easier. It's far less frustrating. It's far less anxiety-ridden. But it's challenging to get there. Living by the Spirit. Not trying to manage stuff. Not trying to force it in a certain direction. Not trying to control, but yielding to control. See, God is our Father who wants to provide and to give and to bless and to be involved in our life in a way that He's revealed. He's seen. He's obvious. And we settle oftentimes for small little things that happen in our life. We could have God-sized things happening in our life. And it's literally a, a surrendering to the Spirit. Allowing the Spirit to move us. The Spirit to guide us. But it's like, oh, Dave, I've tried that. And sometimes the Spirit wants me to do like scary things like talk to people about God. <gasps> Why would Christians want to do that? Or maybe step out and serve in a certain way, or do something out of my comfort zone, or extend myself a little more. And I get it. In our own strength, in the flesh, we are exhausted. I live there sometimes. 
but in the Spirit. It's, you know, I'll, I'll, honestly, <laughs> my goal is to stand up here in the Spirit, and most times when I leave, I am super energized when I speak. Because God is just, it's like, I mean, there's a vessel that's used by him to kind of say some things, and it's just so energizing for me. Now, later on this afternoon, I will crash and burn. <laughs> I will be perfectly honest. Because it's just, it's so much that goes on. But the, 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 to see and hear how God can use a person is amazing. Uh, and I've seen it with other people. I've seen it, you know, somebody came up to me after the first service and they were like, oh, you, you said this last week and da 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 you know, I had a whole bunch of stuff to say about it, which is really cool. And I was like, wow, God did that because I don't know how you would get that from that and I don't understand that, but that's a God thing. And that's so cool. I can become very addicted to that because it's like God uses these things, you know, I'm just the microphone and God's saying these things to people and accomplishing like wild, wild stuff in their life. So cool. You can be a part of that too. Let the spirit flow. Do not quench the spirit in your life. Don't just try to live the Christian life in the flesh. Ugh. It's hard, it's exhausting, it's annoying, and it's overwhelming. Living it in the Spirit, way more fun. Because God will bring you in different places, and he'll get you in situations, and you will be very outside of your comfort zone, and you'll say something, or do something, or be somewhere, and what will happen, and God shows up and does some amazing stuff. And you get to look, step back and go, wow, God showed up right there. I saw it. That's amazing. That's a dynamic Christian life where you're partnering with God and being used by him as he sees fit. It's cool stuff. Oh, man. I'm not paying attention to the clock. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I will not talk about those verses. The way of the Lord will add strength for the upright. The way of the world will subtract productive potency. You want to have your strength zapped? Live like the world. They are exhausted all the time. Because they're trying hard to be something, to do something. To feel loved, to feel accepted, to have value, to be secure. Or you can choose the way of the Lord and have strength. Have energy. Have a force to live with. Where does your strength come from? Do you feel energized by the Lord as you walk in his ways? Or are you walking in strength or in weakness? So you get to choose. God wants us to choose to follow him. Choose to love him. Choose to walk in his ways. Choose to have his truth transform us into something dynamic. So Christian Living 101, a firm foundation, allowing God to lead the way, a focused faith, looking for the Lord's working in your life and pursuing it, and then thirdly, a fervent force, being empowered by the Spirit. I leave you with this last thought. Mastering the basics enables you to see the extraordinary work of God in your life. And I would even venture to say and go further, and then others will see it also. Let's pray.
Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, humbled. Lord, every moment of every day you are providing, you are pursuing, you are faithfully working at completing the work you've started in every believer's life. And Father, you don't leave us clueless. Uh, you not only provide your word that gives us insight and understanding, but Lord, it's personalized. It's living, and it can be used in such a way where we can meet with you directly. Father, we're humbled by that. We're humbled about your faithfulness and your tenacity and your long-suffering, Lord, because sometimes it takes a long time for us to get stuff. And you're fine with that because you've got all the time you need. Father, as we walk out of here today, may we be the light and the salt that you want us to be. Lord, show us those places in our week where you want us to step out of our comfort zone and really allow you to be seen in us so that we can give witness, we can give testimony of all that you do. We praise you, we thank you, we lift you high this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Have an excellent week.